Hey, and thanks for tuning in. At Northgate, we're passionate about helping people become who God purposed them to be. We hope that this message encourages and blesses you today. Stay tuned after for more ways to connect. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Uh, welcome to Northgate if we haven't met. Uh, my name is Steve Perkins, one of the pastors. I'll be outside those doors after the service. I'd love to meet you there. We've got a group, uh, by the way, headed to Haiti tomorrow on our behalf, including uh, Pastor Linnea, Pastor Dan, Pastor Terry, taking a number of people with them here from uh, the church and from a couple of other churches in the area as well, and if you are going on that trip, and if you're at this service, will you come on up? We want to pray for you as we're in the habit of doing. Come on up right now. Don't make me wait. There we go. All right. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, we want to come on up, guys. We want to commission these guys as we're now in the habit of doing. Um, here we go. Good. Got a few, of, a few here. Anybody else? Going, going, going. Gone. All right. Um, good, they're, yeah, hopefully they show up to the airport. Uh, but they're going uh, to help people become who God purposed them to be. And while they're there in Haiti, uh, God will be doing the same in them uh, through our uh, Haitian brothers and sisters. So will you extend a hand as if you're laying hands on them? And um, let's uh, pray for these guys right now. Father in heaven, uh, your son Jesus commissioned us to go into the world, make disciples of all nations. Bless this team and others going with them as they do just that. Bless them. Thank you for all the things you're going to teach them and all the ways you're going to use them and uh, keep them safe and sound in the meantime. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great time. We'll see you in about... A week. It's a great trip. Uh, I went last year with my oldest son. If you want to go, we have another one scheduled uh, in March, I think, and you can find out more about that at the welcome desk or online. Now, also, uh, you just hopefully heard in the announcements that Northgate is hosting its annual picnic. You got a flyer. Um, June 23rd, we call it Day at the Lake. I want everyone to be there, everyone, even the introverts, okay? Uh, I'll be there. I'll be the one hiding in the corner. Um, but it's a really fun day, Sunday afternoon. Uh, one of the cool things, the highlight of the day are baptisms. But um, a lot of people come who are not being baptized. And I want you to come even if you're not being baptized. But it is an opportunity for you or your loved ones to be baptized in the lake right there in Lake George. If you've already been baptized, it's an opportunity to affirm your baptism. Uh, by getting dunked. And maybe you're asking, why would I do that? Well, a couple of reasons. Uh, first, because full immersion baptism in, in a very substantial way really draws a line in the sand. Um, it demonstrates to the world around us that we are followers of Jesus. I'm with Jesus, he's with me. And the old person dies in baptism. That's what we celebrate. We say, isn't it nice? Isn't it cute? No, it's a death. The old person, Adam, Eve, the sinner, is getting drowned, and then the new person gets raised to life in Jesus. It's very powerful. So that's one reason. Another reason is because Jesus commands baptism, which means we should do it. Now, again, if you've been around here a while, you know that we baptize people of all ages here at Northgate, and I'm glad that we do that. We do that unapologetically. 
Um, and that's fine, and we're glad that we do that. And, and if you've been baptized as an infant, you certainly don't have to get baptized again. But maybe you walked away for a season from the Lord. And uh, you, you came to the Lord really later in life, and this is a way that you want to celebrate that by affirming your baptism. So if that's you, sign up online or uh, at the welcome desk after um, the service. Also, RSVP for a special drawing, okay? So whether you're getting baptized or not, you're coming to the picnic. I hope you're all coming to the picnic. RSVP for a special drawing. We weren't going to do one this year, but I talked the staff into it at, at the last minute. Um, one big old-fashioned church picnic with baptisms. Hope to see you there. That's it for the commercials. No, no, wait, there's one more. Uh, but we'll, 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 we'll look at that in a minute. In, in the meantime, we continue our series, Hey Jude. Launched it last week. We're in the New Testament book of Jude, the second to last book of the Bible. We like to occasionally walk through a book of the Bible, line by line, uh, verse by verse, and it is written, this book, by none other than Jude, the, half, the whole brother of James, the half-brother of Jesus, which is pretty cool. And Jude's purpose is simple in, in, in writing this book. He's sick and tired. He's fed up with false teaching. To quote the Beatles, there are people in the church making things bad. Don't make it bad. False teaching is happening in the early church in the first century, 2,000 years ago, and Jude wants to make it stop because it's gaining traction, serious traction. A lot of fake things do, a lot of false things do, a lot of false teaching, promising something that in reality doesn't happen. Here's that third commercial I promised. Take a look at the screens. Hills, California. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, I mean, don't, you've got gray hair. Don't laugh. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. You've got great hair. Um, but no, I mean, I've used that stuff for years. It's uh, <laughs> it, 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 saying something that sounds true but isn't true. You can have hair but when, when you can't. Promising things that uh, can't ultimately be delivered. And that's what's happening in, in, in the first century with this false... Uh, teaching. We, we talked about these false teachers last week, Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S, uh, no, from whence, isn't that a fun word, from whence we derive the English word no, K-N-O-W. So these Gnostic teachers think they know something the rest of us don't know. They think they know something that isn't contained in this book. And uh, because they have this thing, the, you know, the Da Vinci Code, that kind of nonsense, if you remember that, they think they're sort of these super special Christians. And here's what they think they know. They think they know the body is bad and the spirit is good. Okay? So uh, anything physical, anything material, you know, changing a diaper, we talked about that last week, bad. Um, anything spiritual, going to church, singing songs, uh, good. Uh, and maybe you say, what's wrong with that? Well, there's lots wrong with that, because this teaching ultimately leads in one of two directions. If you take this teaching to its end, if you separate the body from the spirit in, in the way that they are, in such a deliberate way, one of two things happens. First, denial of the body. If the body is bad, then just suppress the body. This is kind of where we get the mind over matter idea. Okay, I'm not really sick, I just think I'm sick, Right? People still say things like that. It's all up here. I just, I just think I'm sick. Uh, my great-grandmother, uh, I've told you this before, she died basically because of Gnosticism. Okay, She was part of a religious cult called Christian Science. 
and, and, and they don't believe in modern medicine. They believe in mind over matter, basically. And her daughter died as well. They both died from treatable illnesses because they believed this Gnostic nonsense. And my grandmother, so her daughter, spent most of her life apart from God, blaming God, blaming religion for taking her mother and taking her sister. This is very dangerous, this kind of thinking. And so one of the directions, this, this idea that the body and the spirit, you know, the spirit is what is important, the body is totally unimportant, and, and really just should be ignored, that's one direction. Denial of the body, that's where this goes. The second is the opposite, indulgence of the body. If the body is bad then God doesn't care about the body, which means I can do anything I want to do in my body, and God won't care, and this idea was far more popular than the first. Because when people get a headache, they don't want to ignore the headache, they want to take an Advil and admit they have a headache, and then they won't have a headache any longer. But all you can eat sin. Well, that's something very different. That's, that's something much more appealing. James Bond, 007, a license to kill. Gnostics had a license to sin. Eat, drink, and be merry, sleep around, because God doesn't care what you do in the body. So that's what these false teachers are teaching in Jude's day. They said Jude, uh, Jesus didn't have a body. He just had a spirit because bodies don't matter. They're unimportant, so Jesus couldn't have had a body because bodies are bad. So don't worry about the body or what you do in the body. Just worry about the soul. Go to church, say your prayers, check off those boxes, and then live the way you want to live, whatever makes you happy. And regrettably, I shouldn't have to tell you, people are teaching the same things today. They say, God is love. True. There's nothing truer than that statement. They say, we are saved by grace. Also true. Nothing truer than that. But they take it a step farther, and they say, therefore, we can live any way we want to live. And that statement is absolutely false. But people teach this stuff, and one of the reasons they teach it is because they want the world to love them. They want to be loved by the world. But our job as Christ followers isn't to be loved by the people of this world, it's to love the people of this world. And there's a big difference between the two. We cannot expect necessarily the world to love us in return. First John, John writes, don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Matthew 5, Jesus speaking, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. In other words, following Jesus comes at a price. You gain everything, yes, when you come into your relationship with Christ, but there's a cost too. It costs us to follow Jesus. Jesus. And so Jude says, anyone who teaches people that it's okay to sin, anyone who teaches that it's okay to do whatever you want to do in the body because God is love and God doesn't care, and anyone who does that in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> watch out. God's not going to like that too much. God's not going to put up with that, he says. False teachers, and he addresses them head on in this, this very difficult letter that we're going to look at today, the middle third. He says, false teachers, you're going to get in trouble if you keep on teaching these things. And he goes on to say, if you and I embrace their teaching, which is easy to do because they're saying what we want them to say, 
You know, we love it. Anytime somebody says, don't worry about that dysfunctional behavior, everybody's doing it. That's just normal. We eat that up. Oh, we love that. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. Give me more of that. Jesus says, anyone who teaches people that it's okay to sin, that it's okay to do whatever they want to do, um, they're going to be in trouble. And if we embrace it, if we embrace this idea, if we follow it to its end, we're not going to like what we find either. We're not going to like where life leads us. People who embrace Gnostic teaching, here's the part we're going to look at a little bit later today, they grumble, Jude says. They find fault. They follow their evil desires. They boast and flatter people for their own advantage. They use people. That's how the world operates. You know that as well as I do. I mean, the world is a dog-eat-dog world. It's every man for himself. And and, and Jude says if if we follow this kind of teaching, that's where we ultimately arrive. And we'll talk more about that again in a minute. So let's dig in. Let's look at Jude uh, today. Um, we'll begin at verse 8. He's just talked about, we wrapped up with this last week, he's, talk, he's talked about three different groups of people who are being punished, or who were punished. The Israelites, when they were stuck in the desert, going from Egypt to Israel. The angels who rebelled and became demons. And uh, finally, the people at Sodom and Gomorrah, which was destroyed in the book of Genesis. So verse 8, in the very same way, in the very same way these people were punished, On the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and keep uh, and heap rather abuse on celestial beings. In other words, these people sound spiritual, he says. These false teachers, and false teachers always do, by the way. But they're not spiritual. They have dreams, they have visions, they talk about angels. But they don't do what God wants them to do. He says they pollute their bodies. I'll have sex with you one day, and I'll have sex with you the next. They reject authority. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But somehow, at the same time, they still sound spiritual. They still sound Christian. And it's very subtle at first, this false teaching. Verse 9, kind of a strange verse here. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Can I just say again, like I said last week, this is a one weird book, okay? I mean, there's a reason why grandmas don't crochet these verses and hang them on their walls. It's a weird book, okay? But our discipline is to go through books of the Bible because we believe all of the Bible, not just some of it. If I believe just some of it, I'm a Gnostic. We believe all of of the Scriptures. So let me explain verse 9, okay? Michael and Moses, all that. Well, in the first century, there was a little book outside of the Bible called the Testament of Moses. And Gnostics love books outside of the Bible, you know, books that they think should be in the Bible but, but are not. And the, here's how, how, how the story goes. It's a story about the archangel Michael trying to get the body of Moses from the devil. It's not a true story. But in the story, the devil slanders God, and Michael doesn't slander the devil back personally, but he says, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, he says, God, take care of this guy for me. He kind of turns the other cheek. Jude's point is that Michael, who's an angel, and angels are the cat's meow for Gnostics. That's where they imagine getting their secret knowledge. Jude says that 
Michael, this angel, doesn't slander the devil. And what he's saying, in short, is, but Gnostics slander Christians all the time. And he's saying, not even the angels do that. You know, and then he, qu- he quotes the Testament of Moses. And maybe you're saying, well, why would he do that? Well, if I were debating a Mormon, I might quote the Book of Mormon. Right? Or if I, was, uh, if, if I were debating an atheist, I, I, I might quote uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. You, know, you kind of get, get to that common ground. So Jude quotes the Testament of Moses. And like I said, he talks about angels. And we... we we still, I mean, every time you walk into a Hallmark store, you find a whole wall devoted to angels, right? That's leftover Gnostic teaching. I mean, show me a place in Scripture where we should worship angels or where we should, you know, address our guardian angel. There's no place in Scripture, but we still kind of, it's in our folk religion, our folk culture, but Jude argues even the angel doesn't slander like these Gnostics slander. Then he talks about how they slander in verse 10, yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very thing they do understand by instinct as irrational animals do will destroy them. If we follow this teaching to its end, it, it will destroy us. If we do whatever we want to do in life, instead of doing what God wants us to do, it will ultimately destroy us. You know, we all think God wants to spoil our fun. We all do. We think that at some level. God, why can't I do what I want to do like everyone else? And usually by that, oftentimes, we mean sex. When we're young, why can't I sleep around? Why do I need to reserve myself for marriage? When we get older, why do I have to stay with one wife when I can have that one over there or a girlfriend on the side or whatever the case might be? But I shouldn't have to tell you Anyone who's gone through that, I shouldn't have to tell you that none of those things bless us. We think they're going to bless us, that's why we do them, but they ultimately don't bless us, they hurt us. For example, it's not fun getting someone pregnant who you don't love. I mean, I, I have counseled dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people in that circumstance. Not one of them has come in, you know, talking to me with a big smile on his face. Hey, you're not going to believe what happened. Wow, I just got a girl pregnant and I can't stand her. Hallelujah. Well, the world says you can just abort the baby. Okay. I mean, setting the morality of abortion aside, obviously, horrible thing. Nobody ever talks about what it does to the mother. And I can tell you, I have counseled dozens upon dozens upon dozens of women in this church who had abortions in life. And sometimes it's 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, and they're still wrestling with the decision they made. So Jude's saying, don't listen to these Gnostics. They say it doesn't matter. Do what feels good, man. Do what the body, do what you want in the body. But what we do in the body has consequence. When we have broken relations, it, 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 broken relationships, it has consequence. It's no fun sending half your paycheck to your spouse every month. It's no fun having your kids every other Christmas. I mean, th- these are the things that the world tells us we should do, and we, we should rush into these things. No. 
Jude says, anyone who teaches things like this, anyone who says this is what you should do, he says, verse 11, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. That's Adam and Eve's son. He killed his brother Abel. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's heir. That's a reference to the book of Numbers. Um, Balaam not only attacks Israel, but he encourages others to do the same. And finally, they have destroyed been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. And Korah was a, a man who rebelled against Moses, but then ultimately failed. Verse 12, he gets personal here. He says, these people are blemishes at your love feast. Love feast is communion. It's our potluck. I mean, kind of the combination of, of, of both eating with you without the slightest qualm, the shepherd who only feeds themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted twice dead, in case you wondered if they were still alive. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. You're getting the picture. You don't want to be a Gnostic. You don't want to follow their teaching. You don't want to follow anyone's teaching who strays deliberately from this book. And then verse 14, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, so the seventh generation down, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against God. Jude's not mincing words. He's getting right to the heart of it. And he says, Gnostics will be punished. Anyone who teaches something in the name of Jesus outside the realm of this book, outside of the realm of scriptures, has it coming. So stay away from them. And then he says, here's what happens when you take this teaching to its end. You become a different person. Instead, instead of becoming the person God purposed you to be, you become a person you never intended to be. And he goes on to list a number of behaviors that come with that kind of personality, that come with that kind of character development, all of them dealing with the mouth. In other words, if you do what you want to do whenever you want to do it, you're going to get a big mouth at the end. James 3, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, by humankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. Human beings who are made in God's likeness, out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. James says, Jude's brother, James says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. People who do what they want to do, who refuse to submit to God by submitting to his scripture, Jude says, first off, they grumble. They grumble. So, you ever grumble? Never. I mean, think about it, really. Your last conversation, not how's the weather, right? but your last meaningful discourse. My guess is you grumbled. In fact, we don't think, I mean, this is how depraved we are. We don't think we've had a meaningful conversation unless there's been a fair amount of grumbling, right? 
Like, oh man, I, I really feel better now because I just unloaded on you. I grumbled. A young woman came to John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, and she said, I discovered my talent. It's to speak my mind, brother. John Wesley's response, that's one talent God would not mind you bearing. <laughs> the word grumble is derived from the word Greek, I'm sorry, from the Greek word that means coo, as in the cooing of doves. So it's not loud, it's quiet. It's a complaint under your breath. Other translations call it a murmur. As one preacher puts it, no sense in it, no wit in it, no thought in it, just a double groan, murmur. And Jude says that's where false teaching leads. You become a grumbler, and you don't want to be a grumbler, not, not in Scripture. I mean, in the New Testament, the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus' critics, they're accused all the time of grumbling. It's the same word in the original language. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, people grumbled, and they quit following him. In the Old Testament, people didn't like how Moses was leading, so they grumbled against Moses, and God said, they're not grumbling against you, Moses, they're actually grumbling against me. And that's why the Bible says in Philippians, do everything without grumbling. And if we don't submit to God by following, by, by listening to God's word as it's preached, as it's read, well, we'll get a different personality than we want. A different, we'll not become the people God purposed us to be. We'll become who the world purposed us to be. And I don't have to tell you, grumblings included. You know, it's like that spray on hair. You won't look bald, but you're going to look stupid. <laughs> and would you rather look bald or stupid? Murmuring, grumbling under your breath. It's so unfair, Lord, what you're asking me to do. You're not for me, you're against me, and you're just out to spoil my fun. False teaching inevitably leads to grumbling against God. What else does it do? It leads to fault-finding. Verse 16, these people are grumblers and fault-finders. They complain about God, they complain about People. I, I remember one story in Scripture, can't remember where, but the, the, the religious people get after Jesus' followers because they didn't wash their hands before eating. And it wasn't a germ thing. It was a, it was a, a religious thing, a ceremonial thing. And, and Jesus notices that they're finding fault. It's the same word. And he rebukes them. The hand-washing police. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Doing what you want to do. And living the way the world encourages you to live will include a critical spirit. And if we pay attention to Jude, he says it's not becoming of a Christ follower. So again, let me ask you, you criticize people. We all do. False teaching leads to grumbling against God. It leads to a critical spirit when it comes to other people. Grumbling against God, how, how could a good God send people to hell? How could a good God stand in the way of two people's love or three people's or four people's or whatever we're into these days? And, 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 and false teaching also leads to complaint. In particular, complaint about God's people. I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. You know, that's a statement of judgment. I'm better than those people at the church. Why do we do that? Why do we complain? One preacher said, as long as man is alive and out of hell, he has no cause to complain. Oh, I wish I believed that. 
such a good perspective, but we don't see it that way. We always find fault. I heard a story this week about an old man and his grandson. The old man walked while his grandson rode a donkey. People didn't like that. They complained, look at that healthy young man riding a donkey while his elderly grandfather walks. So they switched. Now the grandson was walking, the old man was riding, but people complained about that too. You know, that, that's too long of a walk. You know, the old man's riding, and the, and, and, and the young man, that's too long of a walk for such a young child. So they both walked. Guess what? That's a perfectly good waste of an animal. You, you could, one of you could be riding that donkey. So they both rode the donkey. People, again, no surprise, they complain, why are you both riding the donkey? I mean, that poor animal, he can't handle all that weight. The story goes on and on, lots of different versions. Finally, by the end, the grandson and the grandfather end up carrying the donkey together. <laughs> and guess what? People complain. <laughs> False teaching leads to a complaining spirit. We've never done it that way before. And, you know, all these different things. Anytime, the, any, the moment someone rolls up their sleeves and gets in there, the moment, you know, people are trying to do something good for God, these false teachers come along. These people are saying, like, why are you believing the Bible? Why are you so passionate about what's in here? And they try to distract you. So it leads to, to grumbling. It leads to fault-finding Third, it leads to doing evil. If we don't listen to God, if we don't listen to his word, we're going to do more evil than we would otherwise. They follow their own evil desires, and if that's not bad enough, they don't stop there. They not only do what they want to do, but they teach others to do the same. They make holy what is unholy. And churches do that these days. Some churches, preachers do this. Well, I know the Bible says that, but let me do some theological gymnastics, and let, let's find a way out of that. Let me, let me enlighten your point of view so that you feel more comfortable with this following God thing. And I, 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 I know people who do, I know pastors even who do this. And they don't say it this way, but this is ultimately what they're saying. They're saying, do what you want to do, because God doesn't care what you do. And it's very clever in how they say it. They don't just come out and say it, and they dress it up a little. They speak in metaphors and hard-to-grasp language. I remember being at an Easter service, and the pastor, I knew about him, and he didn't believe in the resurrection. But he wasn't going to say that on Easter, because he'd lose his job if he said that on Easter. So, so he spoke, you know, kind of poetically. He, he didn't talk about the history of Jesus. He talked about the narrative of Jesus. He didn't talk about the physical resurrection of Jesus. He talked about the metaphor of resurrection. And he sounded very smart, PhD smart. And all of my friends who were there with me, they were nodding and they were agreeing. And, and they said, wasn't that a great message? And I said, are you kidding me? Did you miss it? And they said, yeah, I missed it. What did we miss? This entire message, he was basically saying he doesn't believe that Jesus is actually raised from the dead. He did. What else do they do? And how else does our character develop, right? When, 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 when we don't do what God wants us to do, boasting and flattering, Jude says. We, we, we have a spiritual God talk, but do we mean it? And, and a lot of false teachers, I've, I've found, can be very, very manipulative. They're not aggressive. They're, they're passive. They get people comfortable. They build trust. They love on them. They slowly introduce ideas because every leader knows you should slowly introduce ideas. And then, bam, here comes 
the false teaching, and all of a sudden, a church that once believed the Bible no longer does. And it's done through flattery, telling people what they want to hear, telling people what they already believe to be true about themselves. They, you know, just, just affirm me. And Jesus never did it that way. He never manipulated people. Think about the rich young ruler. Jesus tells him, sell all your stuff, and then you can follow me. And the rich young ruler walks away sad. And, you know, again, some people who like to do theological gymnastics say, well, maybe he walked away sad because he was going to sell all his stuff. I don't think so. He walked away sad because he wasn't going to sell all, all of his stuff. But notice Jesus didn't go after him. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, buddy, you know, don't, not so fast. When I said everything, sell everything, I didn't mean everything. You, know, you can keep the summer home. You can keep you know, the boat. Just, just sell the main house because I really need you on my team right now. He didn't say that. I had a friend say, say to me uh, Wednesday night, jokingly, he said, the only time I've ever been to your house, Steve, you've asked me for money. And I said, I said, well, did it work? Did you give? He said, yeah. I said, well, come on over anytime. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Jesus operated, the plain truth. He told the guy what he wanted him to do, and then he let him make his own choice. Jesus loved him enough to do that. But false teachers, they don't do that. They flatter their audience so they can dupe them later. And that's what we end up becoming ourselves. If you sit under someone's teaching long enough, you end up becoming what that person is teaching. We grumble, we find fault, we do evil, we boast about ourselves, we flatter people to get what we want from them. Next verse... But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus foretold. Jude says, go back to the basics. Go back to the apostles and their teaching, those early followers of Jesus. Go back to Jesus and his teaching. If it's not in here, he says, ignore it. Verse 18, they said to you, the apostles, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their ungodly desires. There are people who divide you who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. And what's funny about that statement is the Gnostics thought they were the spiritual ones. The rest of us Bible thumpers, people who believe this book, who are trying to follow this book, even though it makes us incredibly uncomfortable at times to follow what's in this book. He's like, you know, you know they, they, Gnostics would say, You're, we're the simpletons. We're the idiots who you know, believe in this we're the natural ones, and they're the supernatural ones. But Jude says, no, these Gnostics, they're the natural ones. They're the ones who are believing a lie. And he said, you're the ones who are believing the truth. And then he says they divide. They divide the church, and they do. In almost every church I've served, there have been Gnostics. People who come to church, who somehow become influential people in the church, and yet don't want the church to teach the things of the Bible. The Bible's old-fashioned. It's got nothing to do with today. And my job, I see it, is to preach the truth. But their job, as they see it, is to undermine it. And we don't have a lot of that in this church, thank God, because you don't want to be one of those people. And we try not to put up with false teaching here. I, I've told you so many times, I run every message I have by a team of people because I want to make sure that it's in alignment with these scriptures. Because I'm a human being like everyone else. 
And one of the things I love about this church is that we are a welcoming church. I love that. People say all the time, this is the most welcoming church I have ever been to. And, 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 and we welcome people of all walks in life. I mean, every imaginable sin out there. We, we have people representative, re- representative of that in this church. People with real problems and real issues and real struggles and real demons. And, 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 and they love it here. I mean, one woman said, said to me once, she said, I disagree with almost everything you say, everything that comes out of your mouth, Steve, everything. <laughs> she said, but I love it here. <laughs> what she loves, who she loves is the Holy Spirit. She loves the Spirit of Jesus in, 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 in this place. And while we're welcoming, you know what we don't put up with a lot here? What you don't put up with a lot here? is grumbling and fault-finding and doing evil and boasting and empty flattery. And that is a credit to you. That is the credit, uh, a credit to the Holy Spirit. I meet people here all, all the time from other churches, dissatisfied with their current ch- church, and sometimes for, for good reason. But if they have a grumbling spirit, a fault-finding personality, I, I say to myself, they're never going to last here. And they don't, because there's just not oxygen in this place for that kind of thing. And that is a credit to you, and I have never, ever in my life, and I swear I will never again see it, I have never in my life seen that in a church until this church, ever. So let's keep on keeping on. Let's do what God wants us to do. No grumbling, no fault-finding, no doing whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. No boasting. Look at me, I'm a spiritual person, more spiritual than you. No, no flattery. No manipulation. Just the plain truth. Following Jesus, teaching the principles of Jesus, and at the same time, intensely loving the people around us. Because we don't have to water down what's in here to love the people around us. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can speak the truth in love. Amen? Good, let's pray. God, we are so prone to false teaching. It's in our nature. We want to do what we want to do, and we want people to tell us that we can do it. But we don't like where it leads. We look back, and we, we, this isn't the life I wanted. So once again, we say we're sorry, because we've all pursued it. We've all looked outside of you for things to make us happy, for things to, to we've looked for permission to do things that we know we shouldn't do anyway. And we're going to follow you. Help us to follow you. Send your one and only Holy Spirit on us in this moment. And save us from false teaching. And help us to love the world around us. Help us to love them in such a way that they come into your kingdom. And we pray for more people to come into your kingdom, the people in our lives, this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our prayer team will be up here um, after the service. Maybe you've been off track a little. They would love to pray for you and help you get on track. I'll wrap up our series on Jude next week. We're going to get to the encouraging part. So if I scared you today, um, 
Come back next week, and it, it'll be a safe week to invite a friend, too. Okay? So please stand um, for God's blessing. <laughs> Jesus loves you. I love you from the book of Jude. And now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority. Through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. And all God's people said, I love you. Turn around and say hi to someone. I'll be outside those doors. All right, thanks for watching. Want to let you know about two things you can do. First, follow us on Vimeo or iTunes so you don't miss a single message. Better yet, join us in person Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11. And second, if you're feeling this ministry and want to help advance the mission of helping people become who God purposed them to be, you can click the link to give. Your generosity brings hope, healing, and radical transformation to people all over the world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.